You know, although we're all Christians, Protestants tend to speak a a different language than Catholics concerning uh, their Christianity. And uh, they just have sort of a, a different lingo, shall we say. I'll tell you a story I came upon recently about a Protestant preacher who was standing at the back of the church at the close of the service, and he was shaking hands with people. And all of a sudden, his eye caught one gentleman, and he grabbed that man and pulled him over to the side. And the preacher said to him, you need to join the army of the Lord. The man replied, I'm already in the army of the Lord, preacher. The preacher questioned, how come I don't see you except at Christmas and Easter? And the man whispered back to the preacher, I'm in the secret service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A number of years ago, I had a young man come to me in my office, and he wasn't sure what to do. He was in the military, and his unit had been called up to go to Iraq because our nation had declared war on Saddam Hussein. The problem for this young man was he didn't want to go. No, he didn't want to go at all. He didn't want to go to war. He had joined the military because of the benefits, the pay, the college tuition, the insurance. Now something was wrong that he was going to have to go to war. Well, we visited for a long time and I tried to help him kind of rethink what joining the army actually meant. One of the primary functions of the military is to prepare for war. You've got to know what you sign up for. I'm sure it's somewhere in that military job description. If not, I bet there was a sergeant in his basic training that kind of did his best to beat that into that young man's head, but it hadn't quite taken. Armies do not exist to pass out benefits. Armies exist to deal with conflicts, to defend their people, to fight the army of the other side, the enemy hopefully to contend against evil. But you know, there are folks who just sign up because, hey, three hots and a cot and college education and insurance and health benefits and all the things. They sign up for the perks, but they fail to read the job description. Sometimes I think that may be true about we Christians and especially some Catholic Christians who maybe only get here Christmas and Easter. 
like that fellow the preacher found, you know, Jesus is not just our cosmic life insurance policy. There's more to the job. Last Sunday in the gospel, Jesus reminded the apostles and the crowd that facing the oncoming judgment of God takes patience. And Jesus today goes on to speak of how difficult it will be for us to wait. Jesus goes on to tell them that he has come to set the earth on fire. Recall that in chapter 3 of St. Luke's Gospel, John the baptizer tells the crowd that he is baptizing with water, but someone mightier is coming who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The fire Jesus speaks of here is the distress caused by joining the Lord's army. It is also the fire of the Holy Spirit that St. Luke, in his second book, The Acts of the Apostles, will describe descending on the disciples on the day of Pentecost. That fire will strengthen them to go out to the whole world to preach the good news of Jesus' resurrection. Jesus will be the first to experience the distress of the coming judgment. His baptism will be the conflict into which he will be immersed as he begins his journey to Jerusalem, his death and the cross. His followers will not be spared that distress. Hear that. We will not be spared that distress. Now the angels at Jesus' birth proclaimed peace on earth, and then his parents took him to the temple, and they encountered the old prophet Simeon, and holding the baby Jesus in the temple, he said to God, Master, now you can let your servant himself go in peace. Today, Jesus tells the crowd not to think he has come to bring peace. He has come to bring division. Well, Simeon alluded to that when he turned to Blessed Mary and said that the child was destined for the rise and fall of many and to be a sign that will be contradicted. Peace is the ultimate end of the kingdom of God. But my friends, peace, well, peace has a price. Jesus is warning the crowd that wherever the word of God is heard and acted upon, division occurs. Fathers will be divided against their sons and mothers against their daughters. The coming judgment forces us to look at the implications of our commitment. As Jesus warned us in last Sunday's gospel, 
A commitment of faith requires us to change our attitude toward our material possessions, our time, our talent, our treasure, our resources, our relationships, and to take even more seriously our moral responsibilities. Here he reminds the crowd that those who commit to him will find it affects the way they relate to their friends and to their family members. The angel who announced the birth of St. John the Baptizer to his father Zechariah said that St. John would go before Jesus to turn the hearts of fathers towards their children. But a commitment to Jesus forces us to change the way we live our lives. And I promise you, that can put strains on our relationships. We don't expect to hear such difficult words from Jesus in the gospel. You didn't want to come to church and hear all this trial and tribulation. But it is good. It is good for us all to be reminded once in a while that the decision to do the right thing, the good thing, is not always easy and not without conflict. Jesus himself did not make easy decisions and avoid conflict. Look at the cross. Look at the cross. Is that a man who did everything in his power to avoid the conflict? In today's gospel, Jesus reminds his followers, us, to be prepared for difficult decisions and for conflict as we commit ourselves daily to follow him. Amen.